Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dream Leapers Inspiration. I'm your host, Harriet Cole. Very, very happy to be with you today. Filled with joy to be with you today. And indeed, that's what I want to talk about today, about joy. You know, I've been working on a project for over a year now with AARP. And this year, in 2021, you know, in the as we're coming out of the pandemic and just reflecting on our culture, African-American culture, I should say, because I know there are people here who join in Dream Leapers who are from the broader culture. But right now, I want to say that at, for this AARP project, in 2021, one of the things that we focused on is accessing what we're calling Black joy. What does that mean? And I'll say what it means and then extrapolate it out more broadly to everyone who's here. Just this notion still you can look for it, you can find it, you can access it, and you can allow it to blossom within you. And the gaze at accessing and cultivating Black joy became a very interesting concept. If you think about it, during this year of the pandemic and the racial reckoning, uh, you know, we lost George Floyd and many others, one behind the other, and including many before him. And yet, even as we marched, we fought, and this is the we of all of us who were conscious and capable of standing up and saying no, even as we fought for that, we also found ways to experience joy. Juneteenth just occurred as this being the first year of Juneteenth being a national holiday when everyone in the country, including these people in Galveston, Texas, who had not been informed that slavery had ended, everyone was informed that the vile institution of slavery was ended, there could be a different kind of joy, the joy of accessing freedom. And even before the Emancipation Proclamation was acknowledged, that happened in 63, that it was acknowledged in Texas in 65, still those people were able to extract joy in the moment even when awful things had occurred. And so this sense of choosing Black joy and engaging Black joy is, is powerful when you think of the obstacles that so many people have faced, and yet joy is there. Now, I do not limit that joy to the Black community. I'm suggesting that all of us no matter what our circumstances, can identify. It's not always easy. It's sometimes much easier to kind of wallow in negativity, to feel bad about ourselves, about the way we've been treated, about some wrong that has occurred in our lives. Uh, Dr. Janet Taylor, the renowned psychi psychiatrist, my friend who 
I've interviewed and talked to a lot in the past year, just talking to her about how we can be mentally and spiritually and emotionally strong. One of the things that she says, which is fascinating to me, is that 70%, I believe, of human thoughts are negative. 70%. I I had no idea. I don't I think of myself as a positive person. Of course, there are times when I feel sad, angry, whatever the emotion might be. But typically, I think of myself as positive. And Dr. Janice said, however you think of yourself, most people, the human brain has 70% of its thoughts dwelling in negativity. And so that means we have to push hard. We have to work against the current in order to choose positive, in order to choose joy, in order to welcome joy into our lives if the brain is telling us to look and spot the negative things. I was thinking about what what does that look like? Well, think about this for a moment. If you, something great happened for you, and and I'll use a specific example because it's easier when we deal with specifics. So I'll, I'll use myself as an example. If I've given a class or talk or or like this, Dream Leapers Inspiration. And lots of people write in to say, that was so great, Harriet. I love that message you had um, in, in the broadcast. Thank you so much for saying something I needed to hear. And I'm feeling grateful that I was able to Girl, I don't think you're right. Why are you still talking? I'm going to challenge you on that proposition. Whatever it might be. I don't like your hair. I don't like what, you know what I'm getting at? When somebody makes a comment, it could be in a chat box. It could be on your text. It could be a call. Somebody makes a comment that is challenging you in a negative way. I mean, sometimes you, you want honest feedback. But somebody's just picking. Or even if it is honest feedback and it's something you need to work on, that one thing that comes at you derails all of the other positive things. Then suddenly your brain is locked in on that one negative thing that was said. Meanwhile, you could have a hundred other comments that are great. That occurred to me when I was doing a workshop series last summer for a wonderful organization. And I'm telling you, I'm so grateful. We had, I think the first class, we had like a thousand participants and it was a six week course. And it even over six weeks, it was always you know, over 500, usually about 700 with the top being a thousand. That's a lot of folks to, to come to an ongoing, a recurring class. And almost everybody was writing in the comments what they had learned and benefited from. This is at the height of COVID. And and just like now you see the screen glitching a little bit, we were, we, my family and I were at another location where I was working. And there was something happening in the background. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was a sound, a person walking in the background. You probably have had this occur when you've been on endless video broadcasts. 
And a person wrote in the chat box, it was distracting what was happening in the background. Is that necessary for someone to say distracting when the content was full and rich and people were learning and engaged? But when I read it, I read that, maybe there were two others that were just not very positive. And the organizer said, see, Harriet, we, we thought about, should we even send all the comments to you because we knew you would do that? Why am I belaboring this, folks? Because this is what we do. We get obsessed with whatever negative little pebble of information comes our way. And then suddenly all the good that we have done, all the good that we've experienced, all the greatness that we are making the effort to offer washes away and we just focus on the negative. Dr. Janet said that it's a fact. This is what people do. It's part of human nature. But Dr. Janet also said, we don't have to do it. We can tell our brains, stop. We can tell our brains, you don't have to go down that path. We can train ourselves to take a breath, to release any of that negativity that's just trying its best to hold on, to engage our positive energy, to engage our self-esteem. We can make that choice. We can choose joy. We can. And I'm not saying happiness, although happiness is wonderful, but happiness sometimes, to me anyhow, feels it's a little light sometimes. It's a little bit on the, on the surface, it, it, perhaps part of an energy field. But joy is inner and outer, at least in my understanding of it. And so joy, to choose joy, is to choose to observe your life Look at everything that's happening. Tell yourself the truth, but choose the highest. Choose the positive in you, the positive in your potential, the positive in how you will solve a problem. To with that as fast as It means that you are positively honest. So I found a quote. Here it is. Find joy in everything you choose to do. Every job, relationship, home. It's your responsibility to love it or change it. And this is from Chuck Palahniuk. I'll read it again. Find joy in everything you choose to do. Everything. Every job, relationship, home. It's your responsibility to love it or change it. That's deep. This is not saying find joy in one thing today. This says find joy in everything you choose to do. And guess what? Everything is a choice. Yes, you may have to work, but you have to work at that job. Yes, you may have to eat, but you have to eat that food. Yes, you may need to move your body, but how are you moving it? choice. Every job, relationship, home, it's your responsibility to love it or change it. Okay, let's unpack that. Every one of them, it's your responsibility to love it or change it. How often 
do we as human beings choose to stay in the confines of a relationship, a job, a home environment, even a, a family engagement, a neighbor engagement, whatever it might be, when we know it's not serving us. How often? How often have you done that? Are you doing it right now? Is there a relationship that you are in right now that is unhealthy, that you do not love, that, you, that hurts your spirit? Do you speak up? Do you work to change it? If something is not going well, do you exercise that muscle of inner strength and clarity and speak your truth? Do you do that? Or do you self-medicate? Do you nap? Do you talk negatively about the person or situation to other people not directly? These are things that people do so often that we don't even realize it. You know, the, the telephone can be an incredible positive tool. But what I've discovered is that the telephone, and now the video conference, but even the telephone and, oh, even more, through the anonymity of social media, rather than dealing with something directly, we can blast people and institutions. Uh, we can cancel each other. That's the new terminology for obliterating someone's reputation sometimes. Well, I don't know if that's ever deserved, but sometimes someone has done something wrong that should be uh, accounted for. But a lot of times people are just mad and reactive. And they say things that can be mean-spirited and that can lead to incredibly negative things for others. Cancel culture, we now call it. But rather than canceling somebody in a public what go directly to source. I'm having difficulty in this relationship because X, Y, Z. This is how your engagement with me makes me feel. Not attacking, but when we engage in this way, it hurts my spirit. It, it makes me feel smaller. It makes me feel unhappy. It makes me feel unworthy. It, it diminishes me, and I don't like that. So I need to, I need the, the dynamics to change, and I'm happy to work with you on those dynamics, or I need to move on. What did, what did uh, this person say? Chuck Palahniuk, find joy in everything you choose to do, every job, relationship, home. It's your responsibility to love it or change it. So this is action. This is what we always talk about. See, dream is inspiration. You might have the false belief that you can just sit back and take it in and, and contemplate what we talk about here. That is not the intention of mine at all. My intention is to help us take action, to be inspired, to go the next step, to take action, to make our lives better. And action is the only way that happens talking about it, thinking about it, meditating on it, writing it down, processing it, important. But that's action too. Action. Action is figuring out what's going on, what your relationship 
is to it, what your truth is, what you need to do in order to move forward with conscious intention and then doing it. That's what Dream Leapers Inspiration is about. And this idea that it's your responsibility to love everything about your life or change it, of course that makes sense, but it's also a big responsibility. And we often feel, oh, we have so many burdens on us. We have to, we have to do this, we have to do that. We can't survive unless we do something that's on a list of things that others have said we have to do. What's our list? What's your list? Have you made it? If you don't make your list, heck yeah, you're going to be following somebody else's. But what about making your own list? I make a list every day. And it does, I'm hardly perfect. But actually, because of that, I know I need to organize my thoughts and plan my day and then execute my day. So I check off the things on my list so that I know what I have or have not accomplished. And literally, there are things I keep on my list of what I have for years, but especially because we're sitting all the time, I keep on my list drink water to make sure that I'm getting hydrated. I have added, you know this, I've added a personal trainer twice a week on Zoom. I uh, have changed my eating habits and my husband and daughter and I continue to refine how and what we eat. There's there's a list. To be my whole life because we have one life. It has many elements in it, but we have one. So what can I do with my whole life to be the best that I can be? To love it or change it. This reminds me also of a situation that occurred with my grandmother and me. My grandmother was she must have been in her 80s. So my grandmother, Carrie Freeland, lived to be 101. And she worked until she was 93 years old. Yes, that's what I said. Her choice. And partly she worked, she said, because if you don't work, you're not being a uh, an active contributor to life, then what's the point? That was her attitude. And her work was in service. She was a domestic worker for all of her years of working. She was born in 1889. I think she had a third grade education, third, fifth, something like that. I have to ask my mother. But anyway, she had lots of smarts, but it wasn't from formal education. So my grandmother worked for wealthy white folks in Baltimore, where I'm from. She would take the bus all the way over to uh, the neighborhoods, different people that she uh, was working for. And, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. So by the time my, my grandmother was in her 80s, I was still at home. I was a young kid. But it was the early 70s, and Black power was everything. I mean, the, 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 the civil rights movement had transitioned into the Black power movement. And that's what you're seeing on TV and what you're hearing about. And I remember being 
judge he was doing well we could care for her so in my young mind why do you have to work why do you have to work for them anyway and i came to her with that attitude you know with the black power attitude why are you working for those white people anyway those rich white people and she sat me down and my grandmother was four foot nine she was a tiny woman and she sat me down and with she had big blue eyes gray blue eyes and she said look giving me that look that a mother only a mother and grandmother can she said don't you worry about me i love my job and i love the people i work for and she said when you grow up and you have work your responsibility is to love your work and love the people that you work for and with. So don't you worry about me, you plan for you. And I never forgot because first of all, she showed that love was stronger than anything. And I told you she was born in 1889. Her, the limitations on the kind of work that she could do were dramatic. Uh, she did work for very wealthy white people. That's who mainly was wealthy back then. They treated her beautifully. She, I mean, in her time of working because of the people she worked for, she met, I think she met Picasso and Matisse so, because one of uh, her people she worked for, um, Etta Cone, was one of the Cone sisters. In Baltimore, there's a wing of the Maryland Museum of Art in their honor. They were avid art collectors. So she met all these incredible people. She learned all kinds of things about the world based upon the folks she worked for. And she and she tended to them. They loved her and she loved them. And you know, I've thought about that a lot because I've had moments, plenty of moments when, whether it was a job or now I've been an entrepreneur for so many years, a client who just got under my skin who may not have treated me as well as I felt I should be treated, who was not like none of that. They were just rude and driven and sometimes demeaning. I've this this thought that my grandmother gave me that you must love your work and the people you work for and with. And so then when I remember that, I make a conscious shift to look at these people with love, to be compassionate when it seems like they can't access their joy, that I access mine. Not in a defiant way, but in a way that perhaps can bring some sad to the situation. And I watched my grandmother do it. I listened to her tell me that this was her wisdom, that this is what I should do. And then here's this quote saying, it is our responsibility to love whatever is happening in our life or to change it. And so I want to tell you too, I've had projects where it got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. There was no love, there was, was no positive energy. What there was, was so much animosity and negativity and, and diminishment 
that I had to walk away. And again, much easier said than done. If you find yourself in a situation like that, you know, and I've, I've worked with uh, clients and others over the years who've been in situations like that, often it feels like the whoever's on the other side of it has your brain. Like it's, it, you can't unlock yourself from the other because the diminishment is so great. And that's when, if that, if that is happening to you, if it has happened to you, that's when I think you really call upon your spiritual strength. You call upon that strength that engages you with the divine. And you... Separate yourself from something that isn't serving you. And I say all those things because I have lots of examples, sadly. I say sadly because I'd like to be able to say, that never happened to me, but I tell the truth. I've had plenty of situations in my life where someone made the effort to diminish me. And in a couple of those situations, I stayed too long. I don't feel good about it, but what I do feel good about it is that I'm not still there. <laughs> you know, when I figured out this is not right, and I mustered up the courage and sometimes outside supports to help me, I was able to extricate myself, to walk away and move on, to walk into the light, to choose joy. So. Sometimes choosing joy is choosing aloneness. Sometimes it's choosing to be still, quiet, by yourself. Sometimes it's literally choosing to be by yourself. You may have to leave a job, leave a relationship, leave an environment. Sometimes it's a less a physical movement and a spiritual movement. Put the phone down. Instead of calling and complaining, don't do it anymore. Use technology to your advantage, not as a crippling force. I hope that you are hearing me. I hope that you are listening and allowing this to pierce your soul. And if there is anything in your life right now that is not serving you, I don't mean in the moment, not pleading, oh, this doesn't make me happy today. I don't mean that. But if it is affecting of your joy, the core of your ability to be at peace in your change it. Stop complaining inside your head or to other people. Stop spreading negativity. Choose joy. Figure out how to walk away from whatever it is that isn't serving you and walk into your own strength and power. You can do this. It is not easy to do. No one said it was easy. But as of right now, I haven't found anything in life that's easy. Easy just isn't part of it. But the gratification that you will get if you choose to be in alignment with your own joy and in alignment with others' joy. See the joy. 
Look for it. Notice it. If you can make that active choice on a daily basis, sometimes it's on a moment-to-moment basis, to be in alignment with joy, to go against the norm. Remember, Dr. Janice said 70% of our thoughts are negative. Choose to be in the space of the 30%. When the negative comes, slay it. Tell it goodbye. You're not going to do that anymore. Love it or change it. You think you can do that? Pick one thing right now. Think about this. Because when things are theoretical, they often don't get done. Oh, I believe in this. I'm going to choose to it. What can you pick right now to work on in the space of choosing joy? Let me give you an example. Because I'm not talking about taking an extreme action necessarily. I'm not saying when you get off of this uh, Dream Leapers inspiration, you're going to call, call your friends, speak to your spouse, tell your boss, I'm done. That is not what I'm saying. What can you say? What can you do to begin to make a change? Often when we engage other people who may have been hurtful to us, who may be hurtful to us right now, and we let them know, when you communicate like this with me, it hurts my feelings. Could be when you say, I'm too sensitive, which is sort of a deflection of that first thing, that hurts my feelings even more because it says that you don't value my feelings. You can stay in the zone of standing up for yourself. If you get deflection, you can stay in the zone of defending yourself. If you find that after you give examples and you describe this is what you want and need in this relationship and you get nothing, that's when you go, okay, time to change. Let's look at that. So that first example was a love relationship. What about work? What about if things aren't really going well at work and you have a sense of why? You're not the boss. That's when it's even harder, when you're not the boss. But maybe your boss isn't communicating clearly with you about deadlines, about specifics, about responsibilities, about, let, let's use those two. Because often uh, the leaders aren't as clear as they need to be. They, what are the priorities? Um, should we shift the priorities based upon this new thing that came up? If you can talk to your leader, your supervisor, and say, you know, I'm having difficulty because I'm unclear as to how to prioritize. We're so busy, and I feel like I'm picking the wrong things. And then it creates a problem. I would like to know how you prioritize these responsibilities. Can you help me with that so that I can do my job better? See, that's when you engage your supervisor. It's hard for a supervisor to say, you figure it out and not feel anything about that. I want you to think about a scenario in your life right now that needs some mending, that could use some joy. I want you to think about what you can do 
how specific you can get about the need for that relationship. Write it down. You know, I believe in writing things down. Write it down. What can you do and what do you need from the other person, job, situation, whatever it might be, and find language that is neutral or positive, not negative, not accusatory. Find positive, uplifting language, even if it is incisive, and bring that to the negotiating floor and talk as positively as you can with the intention of choosing joy in this moment and work with the other person. You are clear in your understanding of the situation and what you believe you need. You also need to be able to listen carefully so that your understanding of the situation may be different from the other person's, it often is. So what does that person believe to be true? And somewhere in the middle, in my belief, is where the truth resides. Because some what you believe is true, what the other person believes is true, maybe even a third party. In the midst of all of that, the truth resonates. Find it. Find it. Acknowledge it. Figure out your relationship to it. And find the joy in it. If you can find joy in a situation you're already in, it can be uplifted. If you cannot find joy in it, figure out how to change the dynamics of that relationship, or maybe this is a time for you to say goodbye. Can you do it? I hope you will. It's a wonderful activity. Like I said, it's not easy, but what is? Choose joy. Be active about it. Let things go away that are not serving you. Walk away from what isn't serving you if you cannot figure out how to engage it, to shift it, to blossom with it so that it becomes better. If you cannot do that, that's when you figure out what's next. Great to be with you guys as always. Until next time, have a great day and make it count. Namaste.